Latino Stories, Historias Latinas, es un podcast que nace del proyecto de narrativas orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio, con entrevistas en español, inglés, and Spanglish. I'm Elena Fowles. My guest today is La Doctora Esther Garza. Dr. Esther Garza joined the faculty at Texas A&M University in San Antonio in 2011 and is now an associate professor of bilingual and ESL education. Most recently, she served as the president's faculty fellow for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Bienvenida a este episodio, Esther. Gracias, gracias. Uh, tell us a little bit about um, yourself. Where did you grow up? Wow. So actually, just a quick correction. Uh, I started here in 2010, um, but uh, as an assistant professor in 2011. Okay. Um, but I grew up, um, I was born in Texas. I was the only one in my family born in the United States. Mm -hmm. uh, my father is from Jocaliente, uh, uh, Zacatecas, mm -hmm. and my mother is from Guatemala, um, Quetzaltenango, Guatemala, and then La Capital. Mm -hmm. um, and so they had a beautiful story. Uh, they met uh, through a letter that my, you know, back in the day, my, my uh, uh, father would write letters to a good friend who then introduced him to my mother, and they got married, and over all their adventures, they settled in Texas after, you know, they came here to the United States, um, and I'm the youngest of three, and so I was born in Houston, mm -hmm. um, so I've lived my whole life in the state of Tejana. Texas, Tejana, pretty much. I think I had a, a couple months in Florida where uh -huh. my parents tried to move there for a little bit. Uh -huh. um, but um, from, um, from uh, Houston, um, and then uh, pretty much spent the majority of my uh, adolescence and adulthood in the Rio Grande Valley in Brownsville, Texas, mm -hmm. in La Frontera. Right, right. <laughs> de I, Mexico. I didn't in, know in you were, or I, maybe you did, did tell me this, but I forgotten that one of your parents is um, Centroamericano. That's right. So did mm -hmm. you grow up with both cultures, like Mexicana I, and I did. I sure did. Um, I think it was more prominent uh, when I lived in Houston. Um, because there was a more Central American community. Mm -hmm. um, and then also my mother's uh, sister and her brother were pretty much in the same area. Right. And so a lot of uh, the, the cultural norms, traditions, uh, 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 words, you know, yeah. vocabulary that um, was a custom in Guatemala, I was way more uh, immersed. Uh -huh. uh, but when we moved to Brownsville, um, on the border of, you know, Mexico and the U.S., um, I was more exposed to the Mexican culture. And like I said, my father is Mexicano. Mm -hmm. um, and we tended, because Mexico was so much closer, we tended to, to be there so much more often than Central America and Guatemala. So the last time I visited, unfortunately, Guatemala, I was 16 years old. Yeah. So it was a very long time ago. Um, and it's interesting because I'll, now as a researcher, you know, scholar in, in, in multicultural bilingual education, um, what I found in just, you know, speaking with my parents, particularly my mother, um, is I think she identifies as both a Mexicana and Guatemalteca. It's interesting over the years. Right, absolutely. Like, I think um, I've been in the U.S. for um, 30 years. I mean, I did grow up in the, in the border, but you know, I, I was in the Midwest, and, and um, 
I identify, I mean, the, the U.S. is part of me. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, no puedo decir um, que sí, soy mexicana y tengo raíces salvadoreñas, but like I've also like grown up, like most of my life I've been in the U.S., so that's very much part of yeah. who I am as well. Yes, yes. Oh, wonderful. And I didn't know, I think you may have shared that before. Uh, so yeah, so I think we have a lot of common right, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Tell us uh, about your journey into higher education as a first-gen student. Wow, yeah. And and now I call myself a first-gen faculty member right. because our institution... I notice that. I'm new to the institution yes. and I notice like offices have yes. first-gen faculty. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I didn't come to understand or know. I, I think I understood it, but I don't know if I knew that you know, that was an identity mm -hmm. that I was um, developing, you know, as a, as a uh, you know, a, a university professor, researcher, you know, scholar in, in my field. Um, but um, how I got to higher education um, is, is kind of interesting because uh, my parents have elementary educations. Um, they always believed in education. They always supported our success. Um, I think they did the best they could with their knowledge of um, experience uh, uh, within our home, their their uh, life experiences, and kind of their vision for our family, our immediate family. I have two older brothers. Um, and for all of us, it was really about being successful. And they truly, I think, um, provided us uh, the, I f kind of feel like ingrained, but I don't want to say that so strictly because in teaching about bilingual education and teaching methodology in bilingual education, I've had a lot of students say, you know, my parents did this strategically. My parents didn't, but I think in some way it was, you know, they um, supported, though my mother, um, I think at first, started kind of buying into the messages of being, you know, only speaking English and assimilation. Mm -hmm. And my father continued to kind of counter that. And, and she, she essentially began to understand like, wow, our two languages are so important. Mm -hmm. So I feel like because I maintain my bilingualism, biculturalism, my biliteracy since a young child, I think that's giving me the uh, ability to be successful in education, particularly in higher education. Mm -hmm. I think it's opened a lot of doors for me. Um, and so my parents, as they supported, you know, me in, in this journey and my brothers, um, it was truly this continuous message uh, that the best way to be successful was to have an education. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just uh, ingrained in me to, to believe that, um, and I think I started to believe it when I, I feel like, uh, when I first started, I started community college. Mm -hmm. I literally, uh, we, we finished high school, like in, what was it, early June, and I was already starting at the community college, um, and I told my mother, uh, I said, um, I wanna go to my local community college because I know getting a college education is what's gonna help me. And I feel too, I think throughout my schooling, that was another important message too. I think it was supported. Mm -hmm. um, and my mother says, okay, you know, I, how can I help? And I said, all you need to do is go with me to the financial aid office and just sit there with me. And she says, what do I say or what do I do? I said, you don't have to do or say nothing unless I need something. But I just needed her to be there and support. 
me to take that big step into, you know, back in the day, you didn't visit uh, colleges or universities. You know, you really, you would just hear about them. And I had opportunities to pursue higher education in other places, but um, I think it was so foreign to me that I, you know, at least I can take the, the, the next step, you know, in, in particular in Latinx families, mm -hmm. we're very, um, many very collective in nature. So, you know, be, staying close to home, being together um, was like a strong value. Um, so kind of using that to access higher education, I think that was extremely helpful to me. Um, is having that support with my family just to go to the financial aid office to talk about, you know, how do, how do I come here? What, how do I finance this? The other, um, I have two older brothers, but particularly my brother that's two years older than me. Mm -hmm. He really looked out for me. And in high school, he would make sure that I would take the courses that would prepare me to go into college. Mm -hmm. I don't know. He had this kind of he always wanted to help and support me to be successful. And he guided me so well that I attribute like my preparation in high school, because my parents couldn't, mm -hmm. to a lot to him, you know, um, uh, to kind of navigate those spaces. When I had some educators that said, no, you, you know, you need to do this or you, you know, uh, need to go. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with vocational classes because that's, that's the, the, the route that I was kind of guided to in my high school. Um, but fortunately, you know, that wasn't necessarily what my interest was. My interest was to go to a university. Um, and, you know, I did have some challenges, you know, in, in, in my schooling experience where because, you know, I was low socioeconomic, I spoke another language, um, it was like these sort of characteristics that were considered at risk. Mm -hmm. And so they were kind of used against me. Um, but because of my family, my brother, my friends, um, and, and, uh, and many of my teachers that I was able to, you know, pursue this path of this is, this is what I want and this is what I see is going to help me, you know, be, be successful. And that's the truth. Right. That's, that's truly, you know, what, what got me to to start, and it was not an easy journey. <laughs> because one thing is getting there, the other is, you know, completing finishing. and finishing. <laughs> right, and, and you know, you, you and I are, are um, part of the maybe small group that it, they can say we're um, from community college to PhD. Uh, there is very Absolutely. few of us that are, that are there, and that, uh, to me, that's important to claim or to talk about because our students sometimes, um, oh, there's different views about community college and why we start there. And for me, I was a new immigrant and I was still learning English. So it was just like the perfect place for me to start. I was taking English classes there and and it just I just kind of started college that way. I also didn't have a lot of guidance. So, um, but yeah, that was my, my start. You know, yeah. and then here, here we are. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I'm so thankful for that, and and I think that um, there's always, if you, I always, say, and I always say this to incoming uh, university students, uh, community college. I always say, you know, you're your best advocate, and that's one thing I think I found a strength within me that almost not demanded, but realized like this is a place that I can be 
And if someone tries to dissuade me, I shouldn't necessarily uh, follow mm -hmm. that because this is what I want, you know? And, and I think that fire within me, within my friendships and my, my family is what nurtured that for me to continue, you know, moving through these spaces, particularly to a PhD, which is, right. is not an easy uh, uh, feat, you know? Um, when you get into the, co the community college, the university setting, there's so many amazing faculty and staff mm -hmm. and your, 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 you know, peers that really, you know, uh, support you now in this longer journey because, you know, it, it, it has its challenges and its, um, uh, um, you know, uh, issues that can arise. But like I said, it's something within you as a person. And I know I said that to myself, like, this is what I want. And if I work hard at it, no matter what, I, I can achieve that, that goal, that dream. And, and that's what I think has, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like a lot of our students, I, I think young people, um, and I think I'm, I'm, I, I am happy to be where I am, but I initially was not going to be a professor <laughs> uh, in the humanities, right? Yeah. Um, I wanted to be to be um, a doctor. I wanted to be a physical therapist mm -hmm. too, and I didn't. I n never had anybody say, "Okay, well, let's look for a way for you to get that right." Um, Absolutely. And so, because of that experience, I also think that we need to support. You know, like I, I want to listen to my students and say, "Okay, what do you want to do?" Okay, well, if this university or this program doesn't offer that, let's see how you can get Absolutely. to the place where you need to, to go to achieve that, mm -hmm. right? Because mm -hmm. there are more than one place that can help you achieve those. And we have to um, sort of feed that fire, right? Because I think that's one of the hardest things to, to, to pick. As a young person, what do I want to do for yeah. the rest of my life, yeah. right? Which, which seems like a big thing. <laughs> and then, but when, when you do find students that say, oh, I want to be this, well, then let's find a way for you to, to, to find that. 100%. You know, when I, um, I was, I, I spent two years, two years, I think maybe and a half at a community college um, in, in Brownsville at, at Texas Southmost College, which I love, you know, and at the time there was a growing institution, University of Texas at Brownsville that was developing and I was pursuing a uh, degree in computer science and that didn't work out because I don't think that it's not that I could have, it's just I did not have the background mm -hmm. uh, to, to do that. And it was okay because it led me into what I love doing today. It's interesting, right, how life works. Um, and so it came to a point where I made the decision to leave the Rio Grande Valley. Um, and I went to A&M College Station um, because, you know, uh, uh, I have a very good friend <laughs> who became my husband <laughs> later uh, who exposed me to, to that world uh, uh, as friends, you know, initially. And when I went to that institution and I went to see what the college culture and the experience in, in that time and in, in time in my life, I was very young, uh, it really drew me in and I mm -hmm. said, you know what, I would love, I would love to go here. It's probably the only college, honestly, I had visited besides my community college. I really had never been anywhere. And so I, I went there and that was a very interesting, very difficult experience. But I will tell you, had I not had that experience, 
I think that it wouldn't, I, I feel like that has truly um, empowered me to be, you know, a, 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 I think a, an effective uh, faculty member. Absolutely. I think those experiences that might be harder or, or were hard for us, um, they have a purpose <laughs> in my view. I'm like, okay, well, yes. um, I suffer so my students don't have to, or yes. my daughters, right? But that's yes. okay because yeah. it gives you sort of that experience that sometimes our students need, especially if they are first gen like like we were. 100%. You know, in, in my experience, um, you know, I... Uh, I, I ran into some major barriers that could have just, you know, uh, uh, had me, you know, like not continue moving forward, particularly in a very big institution. Um, but that experience taught me some resiliency skills mm -hmm. that that's why I say like in working here at A&M San Antonio, and I've worked at different institutions, all of that has been so helpful because I've worked with many students that have had challenges mm -hmm. and and I as difficult as they are I always say you know I always thought like why is this happening to me why is this so difficult and then I realized it made me a stronger person mm -hmm. and when my students come into my office and they have some serious you know thing barriers or problems just like like I or issues I share that with them that experience and they have a different look or perspective on it and on their situation, and what I find is I see them changing the way that they thought, you know, like, I always tell them, like, no nos vamos a ahogar en un vasito, right? That's a dicho, right, uh, in Spanish. And and when I say that and I tell my story to, to my students, you know, my first-gen students, my non-traditional students in particular, uh, it's like they realize like, wow, like, you know, I have it within myself to overcome this and it's actually not as bad. And, and I hate I'm going through this experience, mm -hmm. but you know what, it's actually gonna make me stronger. So they see the other side of the coin in a sense. And, and I think that, you know, uh, uh, makes a difference. Now I prepare uh, uh, future bilingual educators and uh, uh, educators who are working with students who are learning English as a second language or ESL. And I think through those stories, those experiences, that provides them that lens to help them be stronger, effective uh, uh, future educators. Mm -hmm. uh, um, because I think they start to see, because I always say to my students, okay, I'm in this role and you're in the student role, but eventually you'll be in the teacher role and you'll have someone just like yourself come to you um, and you have the whole picture um, and how do you help advocate and support them? And they start to see like, oh, wow, you know, like this experience I'm feeling is not so bad and I can make something positive and I'm actually going to be a stronger uh, teacher for, for, you know, for their community or, or for whatever advocate or whatever role they choose to play, Absolutely. you know, in our community. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's interesting. <laughs> Esther, you're now the chair of the Department of Edu Educator and Leadership Preparation. How has this shifted your thinking or approach to working with our students and helping them become teachers? And you just sort of shared a little bit about incorporating your own um, sort of story, but also helping them realize how this might be a challenge or, you know, uh, right now there's a hardship, but 
will come out best, you know, absolutely. <laughs> when we, when we finish. So I don't, share with us. Uh, yeah. Something. Yeah. So, so this is an exciting, exciting role that I've, I've started here just a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um, but I've been, you know, faculty for, for a long time. And like I said, I've taught different institutions, but I actually serving as a leader, um, as an administrator mm-hmm. for a department that I've served within for so long, mm-hmm. um, is really exciting because I'm able to kind of um, approach uh, the the way that we uh, operate, the way that we support our students' success through uh, like a, a, a DEI, you know, a diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, a framework and approach where, you know, we as a department, I think have always been a very inclusive, very uh, supportive, very, uh, intentional in terms of understanding who our students are and how do we embed within our, our practices culturally relevant, linguistically relevant practices within everything that we do. Again, because we want to prepare our uh, future, you know, graduates, you know, to be those strong professionals, those right. advocates, those, you know, uh, uh, dare to say social agents of change, you know, within our communities. Um, a lot of our graduates will go into our Southside community or San Antonio community and, of course, outside. Um, but for those that, that do, I think we prepare them so well. So, so bringing that to build on what's already been established within our department, I think, really um, will create those equitable and inclusive ways so that all students are successful um, and so in our department meetings, in our scheduling, in our uh, evaluation practices, it's always um, focused and centered on the student and their success. In addition to the faculty, and we, we don't really have a lot of staff, but our staff as well, uh, they're also development and success. And so as a chair, you know, it, it, it can be challenging and trying, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, um, but it's an opportunity that I see to continue elevating our department, our college, mm-hmm. um, but really um, serving a purpose, right, uh, for our, uh, uh, our our campus community, our students, just everyone that's associated or part of mm-hmm. uh, um, that. We kind of are that. That, that space, that place that is welcoming and uh, as inclusive as possible. Um, and that's also uh, creating new initiatives mm-hmm. um, that would excite our students to want to be part of our department and our, and our college. And so I'm really trying uh, very hard to work with my associate chair, with our faculty, with our programs mm-hmm. to truly um, create that uh, environment, you know, within our within our uh, uh, our university, our our college, and our in our department, um, I'm I'm looking at two initiatives that I want to start: uh, an advisory faculty uh, group and then a student advisory group, um, because I'm really interested in knowing the departmental needs, obviously, and I do that already, mm-hmm. but um, I'd like to 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 understand that a little more deeply, and of course, our students, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how do our students feel? What could we be doing? Uh, what more could we um, create in terms of programs, uh, opportunities, maybe future scholarships, 
um, internships, um, uh, assistantships, you know, like there's, cause like I was mentioning, we have um, four uh, 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 programs that have master's degrees and undergraduate. Um, and so, you know, we have the opportunity to truly, you know, continue making our mark. Uh, it, it's always with the idea to be inclusive and equitable and fair, right? To 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 our department and and again our programs and just everyone that comes into contact with us. I'm actually uh, trying to improve our website and doing, <laughs> you know, things where where all of that is resonating. Right. You right. know. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like you have been working primarily at Hispanic serving uh, colleges and universities. Can you talk to us about what that looks like and the significance of it in a place like San Antonio? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I've been very proud uh, to serve in our Hispanic serving institutions. And I think here at A&M San Antonio, I think some of the things that uh, I think I've been a part of um, have truly been connected and supportive of our uh, HSI uh, initiatives to be serving in as an institution, not just in name, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so what I find is that uh, the decisions I make, the engagement that I give, the um, knowledge and the, the, the opportunities that I connect really, you know, bring that to the institution in terms of opportunities uh, and support for our student success. So, for example, I've um, been the uh, advisor for the Bilingual Student Organization, which is primarily Latinx, uh, uh, um, many first-generation students, uh, many non-traditional students. Since I was a doctoral student, I've been in charge <laughs> um, at three different institutions, and I've always been approached to, to, to be the advisor. And through that organization, what I've, I think, contributed to a Hispanic-serving institution is celebrating our, 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 not only our culture, but creating that awareness, uh, that advocacy for our bilingual populations, uh, for our cultural backgrounds and our relevance to, you know, that. And, and what I've learned, I think, through my affiliations with the state board, the Texas Association for Bilingual Education, the National Association for Bilingual Education as well, is that part of this growth and development in an HSI and let's say through our, through our organization is also leadership opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's been woven into everything that, that we do. So when we... Um, congregate as an organization, we're also uh, addressing, for example, uh, possible issues that students may be feeling with advising, uh, with curriculum, uh, with maybe assessment practices, with um, future um, uh, career opportunities. Um, we'll also um, um, engage in networking mm -hmm. all throughout Texas and the U.S., because our students really need that opportunity to see others mm -hmm. that look like them in very uh, important positions. Right. And I think every position is important, but when we talk about like field specific, mm -hmm. they're able to see you know, the, the possibility. Um, and so I think in an HSI, to be serving, you really have to uh, build from our students' strength so they can see wow, you know, uh, this is 
a, a space here that I'm supported, but even when I leave the space, wow, this is what the rest of the world looks like, and here's where I will contribute. Uh, and that's why that leadership piece is embedded into, into what, we, what we do. Uh, as the diver uh, Well, also within my, our program, uh, we have uh, also created uh, within our practices the way we teach our courses. Um, is very in line with our population, particularly our immediate population, which is Latinx. So a lot of uh, the focus of, of our courses, you know, not our only, but but do definitely emphasize uh, the community our students will be working right, with, right. which is, I think, extremely relevant. Um, and as the former <laughs> president's uh, faculty fellow uh, for DEI, what I found uh, in sharing this is that ensure that I communicate, you know, I'm also first gen Latinx faculty. Um, I'm also a first generation student. And then also within the activities. So I chaired our Latinx Heritage Month, which was used to be called Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, and through my involvement, you know, I, we had, I think, 14 events mm -hmm. all throughout campus. Then um, this next year, I, I continued as chair and had my co-chairs with me, and our group got bigger, and we uh, took the, the initiative uh, from a colleague of ours that said, you need to really uh, bring students into this, this experience. Mm -hmm. And so we went from 14 to 21 events, mm -hmm. um, and now they, many were student-driven, uh, our staff, and then our faculty, everybody was involved, and this last this this year as part of that, we um, included the uh, HSI week, mm -hmm. uh, where we brought some national scholars. So we were behind the scenes on all of that, uh, supporting uh, all you know the different initiatives. Again, uh, when we talk about being Hispanic serving, I mean we truly have to message that it has to uh, be embedded and resonate. Uh, as a faculty, staff, and student, that that you feel that you know within our curriculum, that you feel it right when you're interacting with others, that you feel it when you see our marketing, our our visuals, and you saw across campus there was so much. Uh, um, so so I feel like uh, it's been something I'm I'm very proud of. I served as uh, the chair and the co-chair for, for two years mm -hmm. as well, because I make a commitment <laughs> uh, and, and I you know, adhere to it because it's so important to me, because it's important to our students. And, and that's what drives me. Mm -hmm. I actually started my career here in the South Side uh, over, geez, I'm gonna age myself, but in the early 90s. So more than 20 years, I've been on this side of town. I taught at an elementary school right down the street. I taught the community college right across the street, and then I've been here, so. So um, aside from maybe a more robust um, uh, Latinx Heritage Month, and then you mentioned the curriculum, what other um, initiatives related to diversity, equity, and inclusion um, have you been able to see or are they are in the works uh, specifically as it relates to, to a Hispanic-serving institution. So else is there that, um, is it, does it also include um, thinking about how we um, increase the number of faculty who are 
Latinx, for example. I think we have um, attempted to continue uh, increasing. Uh, so when we think of, you know, and, and I do want to acknowledge, you know, our Office of Equity and Inclusive Excellence and our Presence Commission on Equity squared that uh, through through those spaces under the direction of our president, Dr. Matson, Cynthia Matson. And my, my former colleague Elizabeth, Dr. Elizabeth Murakami, and I'm Melissa Morales is leading leading that charge. Uh, she's doing amazing. Um, uh, I think through all those colleagues, um, we are all committed um, to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so some of the um, work that we have um, developed, that we have, uh, um, I think continue to, that it continues to evolve. For example, our redlining project mm -hmm. um, that we was really spirited by our president to really help us understand where we're located, but our student population. And as faculty come into the institution, they're aware of, you know, this this is our community, right? Um, and, and I think it makes it a much more supportive, inclusive and equitable environment. Um, when we understand where we're located, the students we're serving. We also, uh, uh, it was really trying to encourage and, and support an initiative started by our faculty here at AM San Antonio, which is our equity-minded and inclusion course designations. Yeah. Um, and so there, there are uh, uh, over 100 courses that were identified that could have this, this EI course designation, which essentially uh, would help uh, address issues of inequity, address issues of um, uh, that that become challenges within uh, different spaces within the different professions, like mm -hmm. institutional racism, of course, and um, uh, uh, prejudice, and you know, uh, larger uh, topics that would be relevant for a student to understand. You know, here's the context of. Uh, my profession uh, um, or or a community that I'll be serving, mm -hmm. but how do I improve that? Right? How do I build right on on creating those uh, um, equitable and inclusive uh, environments, uh, and and in any field? Um, so that was, I think, a really great initiative started by our faculty, supported by our faculty senate, um, and has continued to evolve mm -hmm. uh, over time. Um, so that's that's another way that that I'm seeing that um, when we think of um, our um, other opportunities that that we that we've I think developed through our institution, I think that um, uh, we in the bilingual education program offer our courses in, in multiple languages. Uh, or in two languages, and I know in the Spanish department, right? Uh, there, there's a, even now with your uh, expertise and your initiative is supporting that also within, you know, the Spanish program, but also uh, the the LLA department is to provide more opportunities for bilingualism in different professions, be it health. Right, be it science. I really find it interesting what you just said about um, to understand uh, or to know more about redlining, right, in the South Side, and mm -hmm. and just to know more about my community um, here, right, and, mm -hmm. and where my students might be coming from, and um, not only that, but but maybe many, at least half of our students, might be going back into that community, and how do we equip them to see and work? against those inequities, right, that exist Absolutely. in health, 
uh, language access and so many other education, things. education, yeah, absolutely yeah, health. Yeah, and um, it's interesting because so another initiative that we uh, support through our Office of Equity was our JAG Seal, mm-hmm. um, and that really the intention was to provide and and it it was faculty supported because we we had a task force of faculty and staff that helped us create courses that our faculty um, could take and and uh, uh, you know just a shout out to all those faculty members because they were and staff uh, and Dr. Ortiz who joined us later that really just uh, uh, she just did amazing in all the projects that we were working with in our office um, but it really centered on ensuring that the faculty and staff are aware of the richness within our community, right? Um, but also identify the challenges and, and some of the struggles um, and that we're more uh, mindful and that we're more intentional mm-hmm. about the way that we develop curriculum, our instructional strategies, our assessment practices, um, our our kind of connection or bridge to the the our professions, you know, like networking, you know, that we're very mindful and centered on uh, uh, helping students feel successful. And so, in the JAG seal is really, you know, uh, it, it has different levels that you can achieve, but it's all about uh, being an ambassador, a champion, um, or an ally for diversity, equity, inclusion that encompasses all of our beautiful differences mm-hmm. um, that really make us, you know, uh, uh, who we are. Uh, is there, there are a couple of universities along the Rio Grande Valley that in addition to being Hispanic-serving institution, they are also B3, that is bilingual, uh, bicultural, and biliterate. How can we adopt this here at Texas A&M San Antonio? Um, I think that's a great, great question, and 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 it's something that you know obviously is unanswered in the sense that you know we don't have anything yet uh, instantiated you know within within what we we do, but what's exciting is that we have the ability to do it, and there has been some. I don't know if I've ever heard it called B3, but <laughs> but uh, I know that's my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I think for life. a lot of us, right? Uh, um, but I think that that is something that has uh, manifested itself, mm-hmm. I think, very organically within different colleges, programs, uh, departments, all across the institution. But I think for a larger goal, like I was mentioning, um, I think as at the university level, I know there's an interest to, to kind of move in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, where we are or how we will do that, I mean, I think still remains to be seen because... Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of planning, preparation, expertise that has to be uh, included. Um, but I think we are a perfect place and space or location right. uh, to to be that, you know, someday. And uh, um, I think we're all doing work uh, that probably supports that or, or sees that as, a, as an initiative uh, move in that direction. And I think there's interest. Esther, what projects or initiatives are you working on or hoping to work on uh, in the next year? Oh, wow. A lot of different things. (laughs) Definitely continuing with the course designation. Uh, I'm very interested in continuing to spirit that um, and have been, you know, working with different colleagues to, to continue that. 
the other chairing the department um, and hopefully being an important integral, uh, uh, not only leader, but faculty community member, you know, within our college of education and within our institution. Um, so leading initiatives like increasing enrollment within our programs, retaining our students, right. uh, uh, supporting completion, and for us, as for educators, uh, certification mm -hmm. outcomes uh, uh, or success, that, that those are major initiatives that I have set as goals for our department. But I hope, uh, and I think contributes to our university strategic plan, our, or sorry, our, well, of course, university strategic plan, but our college of education strategic plan, mm -hmm. but also our mission and vision of our department, but of our, our college as well. So I think it, it all ties together. So those are major um, projects, initiatives that I'm working on, um, trying to continue I think what I've always been a part of, because I think that was a good experience for me in, in community college and university, um, was to be part of uh, a culture, an institution that really um, was interested in students being leaders and to drive, to be the drivers of a lot of the things that, that are done. And I've learned that throughout my career as BESO advisor, faculty fellow, um, as the uh, chair of the department, students are, you know, just so um, important mm -hmm. uh, to to this. Um, our, our Latinx students, because it's our larger population, but all our students, you know, as DEI fellow, I'm just so honored to to work with diverse faculty and and staff and students that are just the most talented, amazing people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that I'm so honored to to work with, and actually, you had asked me about um, you know increasing our our faculty, diverse faculty, and I think there's things, particularly in the Office of Equity, um, that we have um, tried to center in uh, uh, in terms of increasing uh, that and retaining mm -hmm. retaining our diversity is so important. So institutionally, I think we're really trying to move in that direction. But for me, an initiative within my department and our college is, is to, to be supportive in that way uh, within the spaces that I'm allowed to or I'm, that I'm a part of um, is to, to, to support that as well, along with all our faculty, right, of course. Um, so, so I think those are kind of the things, you know, that I'm, that I'm working with. I'm still co-advising the student organization <laughs> as mm -hmm, a chair. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm honored and proud to do that because I'm supportive of all our student groups. That particular group has invited me to be part of. So in a co-advising role, I think it's still a little manageable <laughs> uh, to do. But I just uh, see our students as the heart. Uh, Doctora Garzas, gracias por esta sí. conversación. A ti, gracias, muchísimas gracias. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima.